Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. about this episode. I like to call her Big Sis because ever since I first came across her, that's exactly what she's been to me. She's been a mentor, a big sister, but she's also an influencer. She's a wife. She is a mom of five beautiful children. She is the founder of the Mamathon movement. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Miss Christina Garrett to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me, Kay. I'm super excited. Sis, there's so much I want to talk about. I literally was thinking, what is the topic of this episode going to be? Because you are like a master in so many areas of your life. Like you really just, when I look at you from afar, I'm like, she just wins. Like God has Thank just you. her to win. Like that's her testimony is just being a winner. Thank um, you. It's a, and it's a great testimony to have. So I want to call this episode Embracing Life Changes because I think that when I look at you as a whole totality of all the areas in which you are moving, being a mother, being a wife, um, being in ministry, being a woman in leadership, being a business owner, I think that you're just not only checking off the boxes, but you can actually see the fruit of your labor. And I think that's something that a lot of women right now and a lot of people listening are really looking for some more wisdom on like they see themselves working they see themselves trying to put themselves out personally professionally and they still haven't been able to see the fruit in certain areas so i thought that this would be a good a good topic for us to discuss yes absolutely i'm excited (laughs) okay so i'm gonna go ahead and get started on i know how i met you when i first came across your i think it was your facebook page and i wanted to interview some women to talk about how they transition into the next phase of their life and from that very first conversation i was like like i love her like i love her spirit i love love you too (laughs) she's super sweet she makes you feel like you've known her all your life and all of hers so i remember you know during this season of my life i was still figuring out um personally where I should be focusing my attention mm-hmm. and I love this because I've come such a long way since then but I remember <laughs> Christina's a straight shooter and I used to ask her personal questions about how she knew her husband was her husband how they met I wanted to learn a little bit about their story so I feel like I want to start there can we okay. but because I know we're gonna fast forward and talk about what it's like like being a mom hustling the five kids building a business and a brand but let's let's go all the way back to single Christina and <laughs> I know, this may be a, this may be 
a topic that people don't really ask me a lot on, but I think it's so good mm. to revisit the evolution yeah. of that period and that season in your life. So yeah. let's, let's go ahead and rewind for a second. Let's talk about when you were single and you were ready and preparing and waiting for your husband. Oh my gosh. Woo. So I am 35. I'll be 36 next month. Um, so I met my husband when I was 17 though. <laughs> what? I met my oh, okay. husband my freshman year in college at Tuskegee University. We were both in the choir and the concert hey. choir together. We were really good friends for three years at least, you know, the kind of good friends where he would um, take me places, he would get me food if I hadn't eaten, you know, he'd come to my house and wash clothes, you know, those college days where, you know, you you had 15 guy friends, you know, or they had 15 girlfriends, you know, so we were always very, very platonic. He says he called me cute once and I told him he was like a brother. I don't know if I remember that. (laughs) That's, that's, That's number one. Because you don't know who you, you know, who you put in the friend zone and he was trying to holler. So, um, so I think it was probably my junior year. We were talking on the phone all the time, all summer, you know, and I can remember him going to go on a date with another girl. So I remember going to tell my mom that I said, well, Steve, she said, you're not on the phone with Steve. I said, he's got some date with some girl. And she said, well, why do you care? Oh. And so, so that this could be a lesson to, right, mama yeah. with, the, with, the, with the dropping gems. And so I, I said, well, I don't know why I care. And then eventually it was, all oh, these guys have a crush on me, but Steve doesn't. Why doesn't he like me? Because I'm so great. You know, this, this. <laughs> I'm so great. Come on. I'm so, so great, you know. I'm amazing. But, What's his problem? This is problem. So, but in the years leading up to us starting to date, we had a very whirlwind dating experience, engagement and marriage. Um, But in those years prior to that, all my friends had boyfriends, all my friends were taken. And I was always the one that was in waiting, you know, I wish I had a Bible close to me. I don't think I do. Um, But I think it's in Lamentations chapter three. Okay, and, give us the word. Okay. And it was just where God started to deal with me. And, and in that particular thing, it's, it, the writer is es- in essence asking, you know, God, why is my life like this? <laughs> For the woman who is waiting, a lot of us are yeah. asking God these questions, yeah. you know, why are you letting me be in this situation, in this circumstance? Mm-hmm. He says, talks about wormwood and gall and like all these really scary things. And then mm-hmm. he goes forward to, but great is thy faithfulness, you know, mm-hmm. and into that, into that text. But there's another scripture in that chapter that says it is good for a man or a woman to wait in silence for the Lord. And I realized mm-hmm. that a lot of us are waiting, but we're talking while we wait. And God is like, can you just hush? Let me do what I do best. Let me, yeah. you know, work things out. And so a lot of us have friend zoned. You know, if he's good enough to be your friend, like he's close to you, friend. I got questions. I don't know too many men and women that are long-term friends. That are so close. maybe like that day-to-day talking. You talking every day. day. Y'all get along so well. Provided yeah, y'all, why, you know, shopping why together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why y'all we not doing? doing? You know, we, we can't. Yeah, why are we not 
at least considering it. And so, you know, I think sometimes we friend zone people. I think other times, you know, as a lady in waiting, we're struggling. And so then we just wait and then we talk while we're waiting. And God is like, but it's good for you to wait in silence sometimes. And we don't always have to be, you know, then we start to get bitter and we start to get frustrated and, you know, all these other things. So single Christina had plenty of birthdays by herself. Christine, uh, mm. single Christina was not always happy and jumping mm. and skipping about that next season of my life. But when that season came, I said, Oh, okay, this is my really good friend. You know, we, I started liking him. He started feeling me, you know, I was like, what's happening here. And we got together in October of 05 engaged in February, married in August. Come on. It was really fast. It was real fast. So these things are possible. God is still doing it to this day. Yes. So we just have to, you know, walk forward and believe that it's happening in our life too. I love that. I love that so much. I think that there's so many nuggets that you dropped in that story. I think um, how we wait is really, really important. I think that especially like when I talk to a lot of my friends and, and myself, you know, I'm in a relationship, but being unmarried and, and turning 35, it's crazy that we're the same age because I feel like that you have had to lie. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of my friends were in this, were in this age bracket, right? a lot of them, they're not even in any type of relationship. They have no, they, they don't see their husband in sight. And it's a lot of, okay, I'm now in this age to where children is a real conversation, you know? So people are getting a little bit more antsy about like, Lord, where is he? Um, (laughs) So I love the fact that you're still encouraging, you know, how we wait is still important, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. God does his best work when you allow him to do it. And I think that that's so important and that's so good. And um, I've been, I want to interject. I've been listening to this guy. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. His name is Kevin Samuels and he will hurt a woman's feelings. You got to find it because it's really hilarious. He's, I think he's like a marriage coach or something like that. He's like in his fifties. Listen, he's hilarious though, but he references like how a lot of men don't care how much money you make. A lot of men don't care how much education you have. They want to know if you care about yourself, how you keep yourself up. And are you easy to get along with? Will you be somebody that he can rock with? You know, can y'all be friends? And can he have a conversation with you? Things. And so a lot of the women come on the show like, I want a high, I, they say a high value man. I want a, mm. a six, seven figure earner. And he's like, well, what dress size are you? Like he, he go, he's hurtful, but it's hilarious for those watching. <laughs> he's like, what dress size are you? How much do you weigh? And so now yeah. you're kind of putting out, you know, so you're 36, 37, you're 40 and you don't, ha- you're just now going back to school. You're just now doing this. And you want a man yeah. that's a multimillionaire to come and rescue you. He's like, that's not yeah. how this works. And they're arguing yeah. with him on Instagram live. And he said, yeah. that's the same energy that you're going to take and make your relationship toxic. And that's why you don't have a husband. And you, ah, Girl, he is a heavy hitter, but it's it's hilarious. And you so know, everybody so go find this guy. He's so funny. But he's so some rough truth. You know, it's so funny because a lot of my friends who are single and have been having issues, not even just getting a husband, but being able to have like a godly relationship, a lot of yeah. them are super successful. 
I mean, they have multiple degrees. They are yeah. homeowners. They own their own business. They're in so the where is this market. Yeah, where's the space for this man who wants to feel just as needed as you want to feel? It doesn't mean that you make yourself smaller, but right. it means, hey, I want to make space for... Nobody wants to come into someone else's life and feel like it's too crowded for them. Like, how, how, are, we, how are we making this work? And so one of the things he says is that we as women, we own so much masculine energy because we are super and yeah. we are divas and we are yeah. able to do anything. And our right. families put inside of us, get educated. They can't take this from you and get your own and all this kind of stuff. So much so that we get this masculine energy popping. And when a good man does come through, right, yeah. but he owns a plumbing business. He's still, ma he's still making good money. You don't even realize it because you see him in his scrubs, yeah. right? But you don't want to make space for somebody who is a quality man. Like, my husband cuts hair for a living, but I ain't gone without, not one day, and he loves me well, you know? Ooh. So there's, the, there's those components of what's considered high value, who's considered a good partner, and are mm -hmm. you willing to, um, to make space for somebody else in your life, or do you feel like you have it all together already? Come on, question does he love you well sis that alone right there I think, <laughs> yeah that alone should get people to sit for a second to either the answer is yes or the answer is no and I think that's that's really good so all right so now we're going to go ahead and transition into this into this next phase of life being embraced and this may not be everyone's situation I'm personally invested because I definitely have personal interest in this question but after you guys get engaged get married and I know that your husband is a minister, so you are a first lady. I so, am. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, first lady, Christina. First I lady, am. Sure. Okay, so does okay, so the congregation call you pastor? They call you first lady? Do you just allow them to call you Christine? Do they call you Chris? Like, what's the proper etiquette if I was in your congregation <laughs> that I would have to call? Okay, so let's establish as Christians that there are different types of church cultures. Okay, so let's think about Transformation Church. Everybody in leadership at Transformation Church is a pastor. Okay, pastor at Sunday school, pastor at choir and music, pastor. Everybody's a pastor. I don't know if it's a non denominational thing to make everybody feel special. So, anyway, you know, am I, am I lying? I mean, no, you're not. And I think. <laughs> I definitely think it's a great way to, <laughs> to get in back. There's the lie. Okay, fine one. Okay, fine one. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. And y'all can't see my face, but I'm like, I'm very... I thought that was a straight shooter. She's a straight shooter. Okay, go this ahead. Is, they want everybody to feel special. So that being said, people in my church, I'm not a typical first lady. I know that there are a lot of other first ladies around me. I don't do suits. I don't do hats. I don't, you know, sparkly stuff, you know, all that jazz. My church members call me Christina. They may call me Sister Garrett or first lady, depending on their comfort level. But I'm okay. totally fine with them saying, you know, calling me Christina. Love it. Okay. So when during the time of getting married and then you and your husband having a conversation about the fact that he felt like he was called to be a pastor and is that something that you guys have talked about previously when you guys were just friends and you guys were just homies and it was something that maybe they were like oh he'll be a great pastor or he probably said like you know i feel like the lord is calling me to this or was that afterwards and then it was like okay let's let's talk about that so how did that come about 
Um, well, we were young. Like now that I'm older, you know, like now, once you hit mid thirties, you have a lot of perspective supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So now I think back to how young we really were. Mm-hmm. Like we got married, I think I was 21 and he was pastoring a year later, I guess, something like that. Wow. But it was a small, very rural church, you know? So it wasn't as intimidating as if he had been pastoring already. He was young and brought a wife in and everybody was looking at me crazy, you know? Um, so we kind of had an opportunity to adjust accordingly. I was very involved because it was such a small church. Um, and so now moving to our, our larger ministry, significantly larger, um, that was definitely more of a transition than the first church because okay. we went from, you know, small handful of members doing a lot of community work, everybody yeah. on hand to, you know, now he had deacon meet hundreds of members, deacon meetings and, you know, sick and shut in and all this yeah. kind of stuff. All, just a plethora of things on the to-do list. And I had to learn how to check myself and make sure mm. that I gave him the freedom to be who he was supposed to be and let God work on me to be who I needed to be. But I think that biggest transition really happened when we got to the larger church and we were, you know, things got hectic. He was busy and on the road a lot and I had to adjust. It's, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, Fast forwarding to me relocating from Los Angeles mm-hmm. to San Antonio, um, my partner, Brandon Watson, he's a worship pastor out here in San Antonio. And that was the reason why I relocated versus him, right? We're coming up on a year and a half. We started long distance. So we were flying back and forth between Los Angeles and San Antonio. And then it was the conversation of the reality of the situation that in order for us to really make it work, one of us is going to have to move. So we both kind of like went away to kind of like fast and pray and just figure out what God was saying. I'm going to be honest with you. I knew the Lord was going to drop it in his spirit that he was coming west. He wants to come on. My ministry is amazing that I'm a part of. This uh-huh. Worship. Come on and bring yes. the presence of the Lord to the west. Yes. Right? Yes. That's 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 not what God has said, sis. That's not what he has said. So literally I relocated right before COVID hit. And he is at a pretty big church. So, you know, it's a pretty big church. And I am probably one of maybe two or three people that look like me in the church. Um, so there's been a lot of me just getting comfortable in where I sit mm-hmm. and understanding that him and I come from very different backgrounds. He's been in church all his life. His dad has been a bishop for over 25 years. He's been in ministry all his life. He basically was born in the middle of a revival service. Like literally his mom went into labor at a revival service, wow. started contracting the ghost. Like, so he was born and bred into this, right? So I have my own relationship with the Lord. You know, I love my church and you come in and it's very different. And I've been trying to figure out, like, do I just dive into getting involved? Um, do I sit back a little bit and see? And it's been a different experience hence due to COVID. A lot of things have been changed yeah. through this year. But I've been really trying to navigate that without stifling or being a hindrance to 
who he's called to be, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that you, I think you have to listen to what God is saying to you. For example, I love singing, right? So I sing with the praise team on the Sundays that the praise team sings, okay? Mm -hmm. But I don't do, I don't jump through hoops and do all the other things. Yeah. Because I don't feel called to... The litany goes on, especially when you're in relationship with somebody who's in ministry. A lot of times the popular opinion is that you're called in just because they are called in. When in reality, especially when you elevate to marriage, I'm called to be his wife. I'm not called to be everything that you guys have put on me, you know? So I'm, you know, people early on, hey, can you tell past about? Nope, I sure can't because... Go tell him. He's right over there. Like, why are you telling me trying to trickle messages through me to him? Or, right. you know, so you know trying to kind of come creating. after Okay. Yeah, so trying to come after me a little bit because I'm his wife or because those are his children or whatever. No, my ultimate job and position is to sleep with y'all pastor. <laughs> okay, that's my job. Sleep with the pastor. Take care of his kids. Make sure he can do the things that he needs to do, and I show up to do the assignments at church that I'm not that I'm needed for, that he needs me for, or that I signed up for myself. So I take my kids to do the things that they they're going to be doing. But what I can promise you, one of the busiest things I do as a pastor's wife is sit in the car with my kids while my husband goes in to see somebody who's in ICU or in the hospital oh. after service or stuff like that. Like that's those are the things that aren't seen you know, Mm -hmm. in front of everybody, but it's still very much so needed. And so for you personally, boundaries are so important, not just in the home or with family members, but with church members too. And especially you, the only one of few of us is up in there. You walk in there glowing like Oprah every Sunday, because I can promise you that before you got there, there were plenty of women who had an idea about, oh, I'm going to be so, the, the worship pastor's, new thing and here come here come chocolate caramel with this long got they didn't see me coming sis i'm pretty sure okay up in here putting her claws in i sure did and it's nice to meet you too and then you're thoroughly unbothered you see what i'm saying thoroughly unbothered is the name of the game if there's a ministry you feel assigned to or you feel like oh i really want to do this go do it be yourself you know, mm-hmm. but then I think sometimes we get pulled into the expectations of others across the board and we have to make sure that we're defining what's a priority for us. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So and so helpful for me, definitely. I knew that you were gonna be able to give me some insight in this and <laughs> long overdue conversations. Cause I'll be yes. watching, I'll be like, okay. Oh, you know, <laughs> we're doing well. I took this yeah. with love up. <laughs> good. I'm glad. You know, won't he do it? We've come a long way. So I love the fact that, you know, you're very honest about your your role is to 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 sleep with the pastor. Your your pastor. That's your job. And you (laughs) because out of doing your job birth a whole lot of children. A lot of kids. (laughs) A lot of kids. If y'all are listening, Christina is a mom of five. Of five, can we go down the ages? Can we just go yes. ahead and you know, go ahead and shout out the children? Go down okay, the ages. so my oldest is 12, he'll be 13 okay. next wow. wait in March. Um, I have okay. twins who are 10, I got a five year old and a two year old. Wow, oh, and a two year old, 
Yeah, he crazy, but he t- <laughs> <laughs> he's cute. <laughs> he's always turned up. He tells he's the baby. He was like, my job. <laughs> my yes, job my job to be wild. <laughs> and then, are you still homeschooling all five? Yes, we are still homeschooling. Okay, so clearly, you probably were really, really tuned in when it came to the time of everyone looking like for parents having to switch to do homeschooling due to COVID. And the amount of memes, the amount of conversations that were coming out, like, Parents were really having a hard time adjusting and really seeking some counsel, some expertise, a community, a group. They wanted to go ahead and put their children on the side of the road. Um, So (laughs) let's talk about for those who have decided even after COVID that they really enjoyed homeschooling and they're thinking it's the best option for their family. Um, what types of tips can you offer? And then for those that are, this is not their first choice, but schools have remained shut down for the remainder of the year. So they will be, you know, homeschooling for the remainder of the school semester. What can you offer as just some support for people that are new to this? Um, well, on a big scale, okay, this is, a bit, this is not the day-to-day of homeschooling or whatever. On a big scale, let's make a family vision. And even at the place where you're dating now, you can create a family vision. And a family vision is what are the thoughts and feelings and plans that you're thinking about regarding your family at this stage, but looking towards the future. Okay. For Christina, for the Garrett family, I wanted my children to be able to have a certain freedom and flexibility. I don't want them to know what it's like to not be able to enjoy beautiful weather. You know, like it's like 60 in Alabama today. And we're like, okay, we're not doing no schoolwork. We're going to the park today while dad is at his meeting. And then when he is done with such, such, I'll pop in for blah, blah, blah. And then we'll come on back home, you know, but looking for those open opportunities where Mm -hmm. we can, you know, like I say, rock in the sunshine, you know, Mm -hmm. part of our big vision is when my husband, I had to go to conferences and places in different states, especially pre COVID that our children can pack up and go with us. And they have literally done cross country trips from Alabama to Detroit to DC back home they've seen the planes in the in the coming up in the Midwest you know for me I want my children to know that experience you know for 16 birthdays we're talking about international trips to Africa and Dubai we're gonna save for it (laughs) because we got a big family but you know these are the visions you know one of my uh, financial resource people they were like every child especially black and brown children, they can be trust fund babies too. Why can't black kids be trust fund babies? Why can't black kids have international passports and have these experience of knowing what a slower, hustle-free life feels like, you know? So if you knock on our door at 9 a.m., I never signed up for anything before 9 o'clock in the morning because everybody in my family is still laying around. I might be Mm -hmm. up drinking coffee, you know, but my family is we move slower on purpose. Yes, that has meant that we arrive at certain destinations later than others, but we are determined to have a different kind of family vision experience for our children. And so ultimately what's going on during the pandemic is not our forever. Okay. Ultimately uh, the decisions that you'll have to make education wise this year or next year is not your forever, but 
the feelings that you that your children feel as a result of their relationship with you will last. Will your kids need therapy and counseling because they were in the house with you for a year? Can we do better with our communication and hearing each other and understanding each other? And if the school system can't do it for you, maybe I can teach you what you need to learn. Today on News 4 at 4, one out of four COVID survivors dealing with symptoms months after having the virus. We're working for you, showing you how a local hospital is helping to solve the mystery of COVID long haulers. Plus, Pat Lawson News, Leon Harris, and Sean Yancey catch you up on the day's biggest stories. And Storm Team 4 Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer helping you plan for the next 10 days. Working for you, today on News 4 at 4 on NBC4. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC to go to college in two hours versus, you know, versus us struggling and fighting together all day long. I think that's a, a bigger picture that we need to own. You know, man, I don't want my children to go off to college and not want to come back home because I'm damaged or I'm messed up. You know, I don't want my children to grow up and have their own family and say everything that my family did, I want to do the opposite. Heartbreaking. Right. Right. You know, so the family vision... Thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. the family vision starts now. It starts with what do I want my children to replicate when they grow up and they go away. The homeschooling, everything, it's, it's a small step in terms of the big picture. And so, of course, we can go through practical steps and elements on a day-to-day -day basis and all of that. But really, everything that drives us on a regular basis is the big picture. And will y'all want to come back home? at Christmas time and bring a friend, you know, like we all wanna, yeah. will our house be that house? And I think that yeah. that's, that's our desire. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it really brings me into like mama Farm movement and why you started it and who, who it's for and who it services. And is this the reason why you were like, I want to create this for other women that are, you know, not just struggling to figure it out, but maybe just need some support or need a community and understand that it's okay to have these questions, these concerns, or this past. Because one of the things that I think has been so consistent about you is that you have a very unique perspective, but even with your unique perspective, it's really relevant. Like, I feel like I can relate to you and I'm not currently a wife and I don't have any children, but I feel as though that when I talk to you, that there are so many different you know, nuggets that you drop, that it's something that I can then take from and apply to my current life, as well as to put into um, flow for my future. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Mamathon, why you started it, how How's it going? What's the vision for it moving forward and all that good stuff? I know that's a lot, but I'm excited for you. So let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So uh, the Momathon Diaries and Movement really came from one mom's perspective on loving being a mother, but not liking all of it. Mm. And so I can, if we go back to when my twins were babies, when my oldest son was one, we mm -hmm. found out that we were expecting two more babies. Mm 
Okay. So as you needless to say, I was stunned, freaked out, got Mm -hmm. big as a house. You know, I went through some uh, health issues during that time and uh, God healed me miraculously from the health issue in the hospital by myself. Um, But post that time, I went through a lot of postpartum depression, anxiety, you know, just being stressed out about everything, trying to micromanage, you know. And by the time my twins got to about two or three, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I really did not I didn't want my daughter, I have one daughter, I didn't want my daughter to grow up and become like who I was at that time. Mm. So I was stressed out, tired constantly, you know, just worn out. I wasn't taking as much time as I needed to for myself. And that was a time where I started taking up running again and, you know, just trying to refine the Christina in all of the madness. And so um, I can remember my sister-in-law saying, well, if you don't like it, right? Like this experience in your life right now, maybe you need to like check yourself as to why you're not like, I'm like, well, no, kids aren't grateful until they have kids of their own. <laughs> like yeah. they, period. I will still stand by this. They don't know the full essence of gratitude until they're in those shoes. All right. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to prioritize who you are as a person, put your relationship in this proper place, and then still be able to love and nurture your family. Come to find out there are a million other women on the planet who love being a mother, but the work of it, the anxiety, the, you know, you're tired, the children just ride your soul into the dumpster because they don't care if you're exhausted. They just want, you know, unless you teach them that mom has limits they will continue to push that limit. And so I had to do that work with my family uh, over the period of a couple years, you know, and now I'm able to have the fruit from that. And what I do with the Momathon ladies now is teach them how to find that joy in the journey as well and how to put their proper priority management in place so that they're not stressed out all the time and worn out constantly. Come on. And I think that, and I know it's probably different now because before, I want to say it may have been 2017 or 2018, I know that you were doing the retreat and you were actually organizing events to bring these women together to be able to deposit and pour in them. And I know, you know, COVID's not going to last forever. So we are currently here. How are you currently serving those women in the community now? Do you have a plan to get started back on the retreat or are you revamping and reloading how you want to be able to serve them? So I'm very sure my event coordinator is going to tell me it's all going to be fine. (laughs) Last year, last year in the middle of the pandemic, mind you, numbers weren't what they are now, but in the middle of the pandemic, we still had our in-person retreat and we cut the number off. I think it was in between 25 to 30 women. We got a room, we got a room for 80. Okay. So we had a a very large space. We still had vendors. And you know what? Some of my ladies were still like, I have got to leave these people at home. I am not staying staying at the house. I have to leave at least for a night. You know, so they drove. Some of them flew from other states. And they came to Atlanta and we're up in the place and we still had our sessions and we grew and we jammed at our concert like we do every year. And it was really amazing. 
And so this year, I'm probably going virtual, but now I got to figure out how do I make it like the bombest virtual event ever. And so one of the things we did last year was as part of the ticket, we did self-care boxes that went out to everybody um, within a certain time span if they, you know, bought their space and time. And so we'll probably do that just like the exponentially greater version. And I have to kind of figure out all those dynamics. I still want to do it. I love, yeah. you know, I love the in-person events and everything, but I think sometimes we just need a break too. You can still have mm-hmm. the event and not, you know, not do all the things. So I'm going to be okay with it if we're doing virtual. Yeah. Okay. I love this. And this gets me excited because I think that I love the fact that you're just not stopping. You're not like just being like, okay, we no longer can do it. We're just in a very interesting time. Let's just put it on pause. The fact that you're even preparing and thinking about, okay, how do I still give you the best experience? How do I still serve you? How do I still help you in this area? So that's dope. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was about your favorite scripture. I'm not going to ask you this question because I remember it may have been about two years ago, we were having a conversation about um, what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And mm-hmm. I remember something specific that you were saying, and I think that it's going to be really relevant in this conversation, but we were talking about that there are two things not two things, or maybe I should say two perceptions or or two aspects of being a Proverbs 31 woman. And everybody says that they want to be a Proverbs 31 woman without fully understanding the scripture in its entirety or really understanding what that means. So, you know, it's it's on t-shirts, it's on on hashtags, it's on slogans, especially a lot of women in waiting, you know, waiting for their husband. And they out here saying that, you know, I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. He needs to come on. Let's talk about Let's get it. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, now being the woman of where you are with these experiences and being involved in, in having a better understanding of what that means. What have you gathered out of what it means to be a Proverbs 31 woman? So one of the things that I, and I get where you're, what you're saying. So one of the combinations that I like to say is that there are different kinds of Proverbs women. (laughs) <laughs> there are different kind of Proverbs women. So, of mm-hmm. course, we have the Proverbs 31 chick that everybody idolizes. She's a bad mama jamma, and she does all the things, and she's all the places, and she's facilitating multiple aspects and still being this amazing wife and mother and house manager and all the things. But there are other types of Proverbs women as well. So there's the Proverbs wife where um, she nags so much that her husband would rather sleep on a rooftop than be in the house with her. Hmm. there's hmm. the proverbs woman that we grow is and don't kids listen to that's a hoe okay. and she lures people hmm. <laughs> and she lures people away from their purpose and, hmm. and drags them down makes them miss out on their legacy i've been teaching my 12 year old son about her um because i know she's waiting when he goes to get to college ah. um <laughs> There are different types of Proverbs women. And so one of the scriptures that I love is Proverbs 14 and 1, which is a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Mm -hmm. And then in this scripture, we have both types of women. You know, we got the one that is dedicated to building. And most importantly, she's focused on her own business. Okay. But then we also have the one who are using her own hands, attitude, mouth, mentality to tear down 
with her own hands. You know, she's doing it herself with her own, with her own ingenuity and intuition. She's the one that's messing it up with her bad attitude. And so I think that when we look at the different types of Proverbs women, you know, we always pull closer to the Proverbs 31 woman, almost with this ambition that we'll never be able to make that. So maybe I can adjust myself and just try to be the wise woman who builds, you know, the one that continuously every day I wake up and I try to do better than I did the day before with a focus on my own house first. And then I let that pour out into other places. That's so good. I think when I'm listening to you, literally, it makes me think, what type of Proverbs woman do you want to be? And I think that that's one of those things that isn't just a a question to ask before getting married, but I think that that's a question that you'll just continuously ask yourself as you're evolving and developing, you know, as a wife, as a mom, as a business owner, as a staff member, as a coworker, as a friend, as a sister, um that's good that's that's real good that's real good okay last question so for those that this their first time listening SHMG is the acronym for save heal made and grace so mm-hmm. I always ask my interviewees um to share a story about the moment they remember they were saved to share an experience where they know that they were healed of something um, by the Lord or to share a testimony about how they experience the grace of God. Mm, Okay. So, okay. So let's rewind back to 2009. Okay. Uh, 2009. My oldest son was one in some change or something like that. I had suffered with an intestinal obstruction before um, and ended up having surgery to get it resolved. So I have a scar that's about four inches long that goes down the front of my stomach that is not due to the numerous C-sections I have had, but it's actually due to an intestinal surgery. Um, So fast forward, I guess it's been about a year or something like that. Um, and I'm pregnant with my twins. I'm about 18 mm-hmm. weeks. And all of a sudden, I just feel like, you know, kind of shaky. I wake up one morning, I'm turning kind of green. You know, I go oh, to the yeah. I go to the urgency, the urgent care clinic up the street. And she's like, you know, okay, well, what's going on with your health, your digestion? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm just living. I'm pregnant. So you kind of feel like the the slowness of certain things is normal. And so she said, yeah, you need to go to the ER right now. So I drove home to my husband. I said, listen, the lady said I need to go to the doctor. I get there. Turns out I have another intestinal obstruction. But the problem is they couldn't even fix it this time with surgery because I was pregnant. So they moved me from Montgomery. They send me to another hospital uh, where they can keep a better eye on me and they have more, you know, do more tests and everything. They said, Mrs. Garrett, when was the last time you ate? I said, I haven't ate in like two days, but my stomach was so distended because I had another like knot in my, in my digestion, in my digestive tract. And so they said, okay, we're not sure what's going on, but if we have, if you have to have surgery, you might lose your babies. Cause I was so early in, mm. in my pregnancy, it was like, you know, we either save you or we save the kids. So let's, you know, put you under watch and see what happens in a couple of days. And so going forward, I'm sitting there in the hospital tube down my nose into my stomach. Okay. Mm. Nothing sexy happening. Uh, <laughs> nothing sexy. Um, and I'm sitting there in the hospital. I'm like, God, 
I've had this problem before and this is really getting old, you know, like I've already had it fixed once, but can, I said, would you heal me from this? So I never have this problem again. Like, could you, would you fix me God inside? I don't know what's going on, but would you fix this so that I never have to be in the hospital for this again? And in that exact moment, I started throwing up. Okay. And it's not, not a sexy story. <laughs> this is yeah. a story, right? Yeah. In this exact moment, everything that was inside my stomach, plugged up, that would not move, wouldn't go anywhere, came out. And I was like buzzing the nurse, like, y'all need to come in here right now. I need help because everything that was lodged all of a sudden just came out. And this was like directly after the prayer, though. It's like, God, would you fix me? Yeah boom, it's removed. It's coming out. And so the next morning I felt totally fine. I said, y'all can take the tube out. I was like, I prayed last night and God unlodged whatever was lodged. And they're looking at me. I said, I feel fine. Like y'all can send me home. No surgery. I clearly still have my big mouth twins. Um, but I can honestly say that God saved my life. He saved my children's life. I was healed. And it was only because of his grace. Come on. For real. You want to know what? I'm literally, as I'm listening to the story, I'm thinking to myself, the amount of faith that you must have had to be sitting in the hospital bed with the tube going down your nose, and you're literally having a full-on conversation with God, asking him, like, listen, I'm tired of this. If you could just go ahead on and fix this. Could could you fix it? (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I think that we can miss an opportunity to receive healing because we just don't open up our mouth and just ask for God to fix it or to heal it and truly believe that he can intervene and literally with a, a non-sexy moment, you know, because mm-hmm, sometimes that's mm-hmm. the thing too. You know, sometimes yeah. we, don't, we want God to heal us in the most cutest, prettiest way possible. Yeah. Lord, let's keep it as cute as possible, but I need you to whip this thing up out of here. And sometimes that's not the situation. So I love yeah. hearing that because it makes me think, like, have enough faith um, to ask and also be willing to have an unattractive moment. And, and are you willing to have an unattractive moment if it's going to bring healing into the conversation? Um, I want to say it may have been towards the end of last year, um, a friend of a friend had reached out to me and um, asked me if I would be willing to pray for her, have a conversation with her um, in regards to her son. And I was just kind of like, okay, you know, well, what's going on? And, you know, she had opened up and shared that he had been dealing with, you know, maybe some sexual perversion with pornography Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so, I, so I said, are you okay with, you know, me having, you know, brains on the call? And she's like, yes, like you can pray over us and do all that type of stuff. So while we're having the conversation, I'll never forget that she said this because I was like, wow. Like, as we're talking to her and she's just, you know, going through and walking us through like what had been transpired, she was so transparent and so vulnerable and just willing just to like really just bear it all and I think I remember saying to her like wow like your transparency and vulnerability you know being on this call you know just really just puts me at a place of humility and she said if me being embarrassed for a moment is going to get my son free 
then I'll be embarrassed for this moment. And mm-hmm. it almost took me out mm. because, because one, she meant it. And yeah. I knew that God was going to intervene in this conversation and mm. this prayer. I knew that he was because she was so desperate and she meant it in her heart. God, if it means that I'm going to be embarrassed, if I got to say what I need to say, let me say it mm-hmm. as long as it brings my son here. Yes, yes. And sometimes we don't want to experience the fleeting emotion of embarrassment. And we rather stay in bondage. Yes, yes. Then just to be able to get free, right? And I just love just, you know, coming across women that are just super transparent and just saying, you know, it's not, it wasn't a sexy moment. It wasn't attractive. This isn't like a pretty story, but I am healed. I am saved. I'm great. Um, yeah. So that's good enough for me. So let's get yeah. to it. So yeah. I just appreciate you sharing that. And um, that really kind of like does encompass the whole SHMG. You know, I'm a t- I'm going to tell you like the, with the big scheme. And if it's okay, if I tell a one minute story, when my oldest son was a baby, baby, my father, I got a call on a Saturday. Then my father passed away. Um, Of course I fell apart. He was 53. He wasn't up there in age. Um, But supposedly something happened with his heart. He was working on somebody's church. He passed away. So I, Christina, maybe you or anybody who's listening, you've been in a place where um, you prayed about something and God did not do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You prayed about something and God did not do it. And so, you know, God had to teach me early on in my relationship with him that everything that happens to us, we because we have faith for something doesn't mean that God is going to look at our small picture mm-hmm. and he can that he, his creator of the universe, big picture. So me and my cousin, I have a cousin who's on OWN. I think her show mm-hmm. just ended. She was on uh, If Loving You Is Wrong, right? Okay. So I have a cousin, mm-hmm. she's on. Yeah. So anyway, back in the day, mm-hmm. me and this cousin, we got on the phone and we believed in our entire heart that Jesus, the same Jesus from yesterday, same today and tomorrow and all of that, that if he raised people from the dead, Mm-hmm. in the Bible days yeah. that he would do it for my father. I had a whole plan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Their money problems were over because yeah. he was going to be a documented revival. Okay. <laughs> and all the, I had the whole, the whole plan. And so I fasted for days. Do you hear mm-hmm. me, Kay? I fasted mm-hmm. for days. I didn't eat for like four days. Wow. In mourning, but believing God. And so there's so many people hit me with the, but if it doesn't happen, like my mother-in-law called, she said, what if it doesn't happen? How is she going to, how is she going to fare if God doesn't do it? Mm-hmm. If everything is still the same. And I struggled after that time with God, why would you side with the people who don't believe you do stuff like that still? Oh, <laughs> for balance, for wow. balance. I have to tell this story because yeah. God, the father is omnipresent and yeah. he is omniscient and he knows who we are supposed to become when we get a no. Mm. When we get a no about some stuff, I'm about to start crying over this. <laughs> but listen, like 
for balance, you know, like I can remember crying and laboring in, the, in prayer over healing for church members. And you get the call and it's like, they're gone. Okay, wait a second, God, but we're praying and we have faith and all. And God is like, if y'all had y'all way, y'all would never lose anybody. And you don't even know, you know, like you don't even know the big picture of who you're supposed to become and what they were going through, even if they were ready or not ready. Like we don't get to see this complete gigantic a supernatural puzzle of things when God says no to something. So I, my faith had to mature in that time because I was 21, 22, you know, and at, at that time, when you prayed about something, especially when you're a baby in faith, when you pray about something, you're like, okay, God, I'm fully expecting. I fully rely that you, that you are the resurrection and the life. And because of that, we're going to go to the funeral home and we're not going to leave until we see the fruit from it. And it took a pastor friend of my father's whose church he was working at. He said, when I came in the room, there was so much peace. He said, your father who was still working had got his tools and folded the tools up folded them up and sat them in a corner almost like okay like you know what i'm saying like that whole so what do you do when god says no and so for balance for balance sometimes we have to walk with faith you know what i'm saying you got to be like all right god i know i know you can and just like the three hebrew boys i'm whether you do or you don't Don't. you still god yeah. And we got to cope with that. We got to walk with that faith. And so for balance, I wanted to share that story because I don't know if it was anything so good about my faith, but maybe just maybe God wanted to keep me alive long enough for my yeah. husband's story to go viral or for me to yeah. have these kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know all of that, but he gets the big picture and we only get the small one. I mean, again, it just goes back to, there's so many things, but when you talk about the maturity of the situation. God wow. has to grow how you saw him and how you knew him. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, it, it, you know, it goes from, yeah, I believe that Jesus can. And then it goes into, I know God and I know that he's good. And I had to know him in different ways to understand yeah. yes. when I wanted something. And, but he said, but no. And then you sit there with the, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what you, you say? <laughs> Could you repeat that? I can't hear you. And yeah. God is like, I said no. And or the opportunity, yeah. that open door that you desire, or all these things, you know, that we're hoping for and working for. And, and sometimes I was listening to a Darius Daniels sermon. I don't know if love you him. yeah, I love, love him. him. Yeah. So a Darius Daniels sermon was talking about pride. And he was saying, just because you put God's name on it doesn't mean God is in it. And so then I had to pull back, even with the business and with all these things, okay, God, be in it. Like, don't just have your name on it. Don't just let me say your name. Be, would you be in it? Would you put me where I'm supposed to be? Because sometimes, God, I mess it up, and I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be. And so then God has to regulate us and guide us and keep our pride and and poor motives out of the picture because human nature is to be seen and human nature is to be heard and validated and all these other things. And God is like, I already validated you. So just go for it. Stop looking for it. You know, pick up your bed and go walk. Like, so, so good. I could talk to you all day. And I know, we really could. That's just how we do when we we get together. But 
I want people to be able to find you and connect with you that are listening because I just feel like that there's going to be so many people that hear this and be like, I need to know more about her. I need to connect with her. So let the people know where they can find you, what's the best way to connect with you, like, that are listening. Okay, so they can find me on Facebook and the gram at The Mamathon Diaries. You can also feel free to hop in my DMs and tell me about you and your family and all the things. Uh, and my website is runningamamathon.com. So you can find me on social media or hop over to my website and totally click the Work With Me page. Love it, love it, love you. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. This is amazing, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of SHG Podcast. Remember, this is the place and the platform that you're reminded that you are saved, that you are healed, you are made in grace by God. See you here next week. Until then, be blessed. All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org chosen. Sweating in bed keeping you up at night? Okay, get your mind out of the gutter. This isn't that kind of commercial. You need the cooling power of Purple, the mattress that is. It's comfort reinvented thanks to the Purple Grid. It allows air to flow through so you can sleep cool and comfortable all night long. And it flexes and cushions no matter what position you sleep in. Hmm, maybe it is that kind of commercial. Anyway, save up to $400 on select Purple mattresses and bedding bundles. Get yours at purple.com slash sleep in. Terms apply.